1: Be
0: continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
1: Hey Rob, you know what's really hard? What? Watching UVA and Arizona State, and Arizona State goes on a 19-0 run over both halves. You know it shouldn't be hard? Finding a good performance enhancer. And that's why we are lucky to be sponsored by Blue Chew. That's BlueChew.com. Blue like the color blue. Blue BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. If you could benefit from an extra function and more confidence where it counts, BlueChew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since BlueChew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code ARMCHAIR. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code ARMCHAIR to try it free. BlueChew is better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them.
0: Hey everybody, welcome back. This is the Guys Sometimes podcast. This is Robert along with Dustin, and it's been a stressful weekend. Uh, somehow we're three and zero this weekend, Which as is far great. as EBA awesome. football and basketball goes. Soccer won today too, actually. Men's Men, soccer, men's soccer. Yeah. women's
1: soccer had a really bad loss, and the women's field hockey team lost in the semifinals of yep. the NCAA tournament. So both had great seasons. Unfortunately, the women's soccer goalie got hurt during the North Carolina disaster. So that was unfortunate, and we just didn't have anyone to replace her, which was too bad. But the men are still in it, and of course, our basketball and football teams are still there as well. So that's what we're going to talk about today, and we're actually going to start with basketball today, which is kind of weird. You know, it is basketball season now, so we're focusing more on basketball. No, that's a lie. Rob just wanted wanted to talk tech last so that we we pushed it to last. Yeah, like
0: God knows how long that conversation is going to take, or how passionate, or... Hey, whatever whatever it'll come later that's
1: the thing about the tech tech um talk you can just talk about it for five minutes or an hour and have the same message and you can get all the same information
0: and we've already started talking about it so it let's just, go back to basketball. it just
1: depends on how angry you are <laughs> but but we're gonna talk basketball first and basketball went uh two and oh this weekend actually since our last podcast they've gone four and oh beating columbia vermont umass and most recently arizona state we're recording this about Four hours after the game ended so it's still fresh in our minds but we have had time to analyze some of it and instead of talking about each individual game we're going to talk more themes today and I want to start off with guard play because I think that it's become really obvious that we lack guard depth and especially when someone like Cody is injured and we have to play a preferred walk on Chase Coleman who is filled in marvelously but Still a walk-on and still not up to probably an ACC caliber player. So, Rob, what are, your, what are your takes on guard play so far this season?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. You know, if you don't have Cody for a game, or for that matter, if you don't have one of the guards in general, then, you know, we're playing a walk-on. I don't know how many top 10 teams are playing a walk-on right now. Very, again, I, w- what, I would say very few. With all due respect to Chase Coleman, there's not many walk-ons on a top 10 team that are playing with the regular starters that are scoring points here and there, you know, he played a valuable role today. He served Mm -hmm. as a ball handler when we needed it, especially against that press that uh, Arizona whipped out. But you know, there's the ideal situation is you're not playing your walk-ons. So there's obviously guard depth issues and, you know, exacerbated by the fact that Cody Statman was ill. I don't think he even traveled for these two games. No, I didn't see him. um, You know, obviously that played a big role and, you know, who would have thought a year ago we'd be saying, oh, the fact that Cody Statman couldn't play would be a big problem. But that's like how thin we are at guard. And, you know, Cody Statman has definitely made a leap from where he was last year, but he's not like this all ACC performing guard right now. The guards are just very thin. And, you know, you do what you can with what you have. You know, Kihei, Kihei had been doing really well, honestly, and has been scoring a lot more points than we were accustomed to today against Arizona State. He kind of went back to more of last year's Kihei as far as Getting in the paint, but struggling to score. Sometimes getting trapped under the basket. Um, so you do what you can with what you have. But at the same time, I think it's pretty obvious and apparent that the front court is still the strength of the team. Just like we said, like this isn't shocking news. But now we're starting to gather data points and visuals, and we're starting to understand like fully what this team is. And clearly, the guard play isn't the strength of the team right now.
1: Yeah, and if you look at our the guards who played today, we had um, really. Four, four guards play, and, I mean, that's counting Braxton as a guard at this point. So Kihei played 38 minutes. Braxton played 38 minutes, mostly at the three. Casey Morsell played 38 minutes. Thomas Wiltensai played 16 minutes, in a really not great performance for him. Uh, Chase Coleman had five spot minutes, and Justin McCoy had four mostly statless minutes, only one rebound for him. So, really, you're looking at it. Kihei, Braxton, and Casey played most of the game. And in reality, that's probably what it's going to be like for most of the season where we have people coming off the bench a, a little bit, but really we just got, we have some really, we really basically know what our lineup is going to be and what our rotation is right now. Once Cody gets back, you know, we've got Kihei, Cody, Casey, Braxton is going to play the three sometimes out of necessity. Mm-hmm. And also uh, Thomas will is size going to play some too. And, it's just really a thin lineup, especially when none of them seem to be really competent three point shooters at this point. It's going to be a real struggle to find scoring out of those groups on a consistent basis, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, looking at today, you know, Casey Morsell finally hit a three. So yeah, that was good. We at least we got that Momney Diakite was two for four from three, but he also had two back to back possessions where he missed threes. Right. And it's That's not what you want your offense to be. The fact that Mamadi Diakite can shoot threes now, that's great. Like, it's terrific. It does not
1: mean that he should take them all the time.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: Tony does a really good job of saying, I think this was Tony, but he said something along the lines of, I know you can shoot it. Like, there's a difference between a shot taker and a shot maker. So, like, can you make those shots? And Casey, from this point, has not shown that he's been able to make those shots. Like, he can take them and he's willing to take them but he hasn't been shown to make them he's shooting 11.5% on the year that's even after the make today so really not a great three point shooter so far and i think it'll come and you know oh, we've been yeah. saying this for yeah. we've been saying this for a while that he he needs to grow into his role and he needs to grow into who he's going to be the defense is there defense is great uh his offense needs adjusting and he's got to adjust to the new three point line he's got to adjust to bigger defenders better defenders faster defenders and he's just got to adjust to playing in bigger arenas and bigger, bigger stakes as well. You know, he his team was the best in D.C. last year. And so he never really had to worry about, you know, it, does this loss, is it going to ruin our team? Yeah. And, or not ruin our team, but like ruin our, hurt our chances later down the road for a better seed. And, you know, this game against Arizona State and even the game against Vermont especially, both of them are going to be looked at as good wins going further down the road when we're being seated. And so what we need is to win these close game, these early season games. And so it's been really good to see that it was really good to see Casey step up today and really do well, a good job at finishing around the rim, driving to the basket and uh you know, taking shots when he needed to. He hit that big 3 right at the end.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's the thing like credit where credits due like is the guard rotation thin? Absolutely. Yeah. But did Casey Morsell win us that game against yes. Arizona State? Yeah. Casey Morsell kind of came out of the funk. You know, he played 38 minutes, which is a lot for a true freshman. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. And, you know, he was only one of five from three, although the one at the end was huge, absolutely yeah. huge. Um. But 19 points, and to me, one thing that was just such a huge factor as well was the free throw shooting. Mm-hmm. You know, he had only taken free, two free throws before today's game against Arizona State and he had missed both of them today he was four for four at least one of them was a front end of a one and one as well mm-hmm. so Casey Morsell showed the maturity showed the poise I mean this is more the Casey Morsell we thought we were gonna see and yeah. you know it's not fair for us to expect you know the comparisons are Malcolm Brogdon everywhere and it's not fair of us to Casey Morsell to say hey you know like why aren't you playing like Malcolm Brogdon used right. to like why aren't you playing like senior all-american all-acc Malcolm Brogdon <laughs> right now right but you you can kind of see it building and you know obviously today was a great step in that direction and I mean I just you just got to say like you don't win today without Casey Morsell no. because the stats you know points scored at least Casey Morsell had 19 Mamadi Diakite had 15 no one else had more than five points and that was Jay Huff that was Jay so you know huge huge effort from Casey Morsell today and you know, kind of tying it back to even the bigger picture is, yeah, this team is going to struggle. This team gave up a 19-0 run to Arizona State. They were down by, what, 10? I forget exactly nine. what it was. They were down by 9. 9 in the second half. And they came back and won that game, and they chipped away at it. And, you know, football, we talk about Bronco building the culture. Like, the basketball has the culture. Like, the culture of being able to come from behind for and being tough and gritty and not being thrown off by certain you know, elements, regardless of personnel, like really the only person we're playing consistently that also played last year a lot was Mamadi Diakite mm-hmm. and maybe say Braxton Key, but that was in a much smaller role. I mean, but the culture from last year's team is there, the skill and the talent and the guard play isn't, but the culture is there. And that's really what won us the game.
1: Yep. And I think, I think that's going to kind of go into our next topic. And I want to talk about the front court for a little bit, just because the front court, you know, the season going into the season was supposed to be the the actually, sorry, I don't want to talk about the frontcourt yet. I want, I want to touch on <laughs> Kihei because Kihei had a bad game today. Uh, only two points, uh, two of ten from the field, uh, two assists, three turnovers. So not a great performance for him. Two fouls as well. Only four minutes, only four points. But he he's the leader of this team, and there's gonna be games where he's asked to do probably more, way more than he was ever asked to do last year. But he he's shown throughout you know the Rembrandt game and. And especially the UMass game where he had 14 points, but he's shown that he can step up in the some of those, in some of those big games and perform. But you know he's going to be awful all the time too. And today was just a day where everyone seemed to be off except for Casey, which was great.
0: Yeah, I mean you know with Kihei, Kihei, we've seen good Kihei, and I mean that's what we saw last year. UMass we, was great Kihei, great Kihei, and you know the, if he can score right mm-hmm. around 10 points that's way more than we thought he would score mm-hmm. uh coming into the season so i mean we've seen good kihei and we've seen kind of the shaky not as consistent kihei which is what we saw last year mm-hmm. obviously we just ended on a better note since the good kihei won us the purdue game and we won the national championship and everything else but right. kihei had a somewhat bumpy road last year and it's not fair for us to say hey like why don't why don't you come in and be the next ty jerome he's not the next ty jerome he's different yeah. he's very very different player but you know, we've seen better things out of him. He's taking the most threes at this point, or at least making the most threes on that volume. He's taken 24 threes on the season, uh, which is second to Casey sells 26, but uh, Kihei's made eight of those and Casey has only made three. So obviously there's a differential there, but um, you know, Kihei is what he is and he's definitely better than he was last season, mm-hmm. more consistent. But yeah, no, today wasn't his best game. And thankfully, Casey played well, and that helped us.
1: Yeah, and you, the other players who did play well were in the front court. Momedy played well, had 15 points on a 5 of 13 shooting, so not the best. But also made all three three of his free throws, had three rebounds, one assist, one turnover, two blocks, one steal, two fouls. So Momedy played 36 minutes. Mamadi, once again, had a really solid outing. Um, when we were down and kind of in those last final minutes, Mamadi was the guy we were giving the ball to and just kind of saying, take it to the rim. Uh, he had that and one to put us ahead late, which was really, really important for us. It kind of turned the tide, I felt. And then also Jay Huff. Jay Huff didn't have a lot of points. He only had five, but he was 2-2 two, of two from the field, seven rebounds, two, uh, two turnovers, but also two blocks. Uh, only two fouls in 25 minutes. So Jay's shown that he can play a lot much longer this year he's not as big of a liability on defense and also uh he needs to be used more and I think that that's a big point I want to make is that our bigs need to be that go-to unit that we thought they would be and so far it feels like we're still trying to kind of force it to the guards a little bit more than we should when really we need to play inside out a lot more than last year
0: yeah and you know We talk about these guys, Mamadi, Braxton, and Jay, and I feel like part of that is just figuring out how to use them. You know, Mm -hmm. like this is not something we've typically dealt with is trying to get the ball to the front court players more to have the team and the offense flow through them. But to give you an idea of kind of what these guys are doing on the season right now. So through the first six games, so the top three scorers on our team are Mamadi Diakite at 13.7 points per game, Braxton Key at 10.3 points per game, and Jay Huff at 9.8 points per game. Our leading rebounders are the same three: Braxton Key at 8.3 boards a game, uh, Jay Huff at 7.8, and Mamadi Diakite at 7.3. So these guys are our top scorers. They're our top rebounders. Like these guys are the team. They this is how the team is going to flow this year. Mm-hmm. So what we were talking about during the game is essentially how do you get them the ball? And these guys aren't your traditional bigs. This is a very 21st century front court with a Braxton Key who's big. Uh, but still it's gonna be asked to play the three, do some guard like things, and then Mamadi Diakite and Jay Huff, neither of whom are really big and strong and are gonna outmuscle you, although Mamadi Diakite did have a good set of powerful plays today. But yeah. these guys are guys whose strength is spacing the floor. So how do you get the spacing of the floor? Well, Virginia's trying to do it with the continuity that continuity ball screen offense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jordan Sperber on Twitter, he posted the offensive chart for the first half. I don't know how the second half played out, but all but three or four possessions were continuity ball screen yeah. against uh, Arizona State. So the mover blocker that we've gotten so used to seeing it's not not what they're doing this year. Mostly they're trying wrong, yeah. they're trying to find ways to get the ball to these guys out in space. I think it's just a learning curve still and yeah. we're gonna see that continue throughout the course of the season.
1: Yeah, luckily we have a, a couple more games coming up where we, we're gonna be able to, you know, have a little more time to prepare and have a little bit more time to practice. Uh, our next opponent is Maine, who is really bad. Maine is one of the worst teams in the country. So, And that's at home, too. So hopefully Cody, healthy. Yep. That's the most important thing, I think, is get that guard, get him healthy again. And then we go to Purdue uh, a week later on December 4th. So that's going to be an exciting game. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm excited to see how we do in a really hostile environment against a team that is going to be pretty good this year
0: yeah i mean that that's the big test coming up is we're all when we got the schedule released the big test obviously was purdue which is the acc big ten challenge and obviously that has implications from last year and how that game played out but at the same time you know it's just a big game in general it's mm-hmm. our first like real uh true road game yeah and first real kind of scheduled um like non-conference power five type of team to use football terms but you know, obviously it's a big name school, and there's a lot riding on that. And then North Carolina, the week after, ap- or the Sunday after, four
1: days after. Yeah. So
0: obviously, like that's what's coming up. And we got Maine kind of in the middle. And you know, this team has taken its lumps, but they're six zero, and they've beaten Syracuse. You know, the Vermont win I think it's going to look pretty good. Vermont's mm-hmm. probably a tournament caliber team. And Arizona State, you know, they held on. Yeah. So it wasn't pretty. It hasn't been pretty necessarily, but we knew that. You know. We're just learning how this team is going to adapt to it, and so far they've at least passed the test that's been given to them. It hasn't been A-plus every day, but they're passing and moving along, and they're seventh in the country I think, right now.
1: I think the games that we're seeing, you know, the games against Syracuse, 48-34, and also the game against Arizona State, 48-45, both wins. I think that's really telling of how our offense is going to be this year, but yeah. <laughs> also, also how our defense is going to be this year. So far, our defense has been historically good. I know that I know that it's only been six games and some of them have been against lesser opponents, but so far we are doing better than any other team in the country defensively. We are also doing better than the last three years uh, under Tony Bennett defensively as well, both, all of which were number one in the country. And we're doing it by a pretty good margin as well. So it's impressive to see the defense, and especially in this game where you know Arizona State went on a 19-0 run, and we held on. We locked them down for a little bit. We were able to catch back up. And it was an impressive win because we were down by – it was actually eight. We were down by eight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I if this was a team before we won the national championship, I would have said that they might have looked dead in the water. But they hung back on. They clawed their way back. And it was a really impressive way to go. And I think that this is exactly how it's <laughs> going to be this year. You know, it's going to be nail biters defensive struggles sometimes really ugly looking but it's gonna be fun and it's gonna be exciting to see how this team does against good teams like Purdue and North Carolina coming up
0: yeah I mean that's the big thing I suppose you elaborated on it perfectly but like that's the culture it's not tangible but that's just what's built into the program you can't look at a stat sheet and say hey like Virginia when it's in they're in this situation they do this that it It's hard to digest, but the simple thing is just the culture. Virginia is gritty. You know, the players aren't there from the previous teams, but they're coming along. And the second thing I would say kind of to close this out a little bit, at least on basketball, is, you know, obviously you can talk Ken Palm ratings and they're obviously pretty good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Ken Palm does, you know, year after year, a really good job of predicting uh, outcomes and analyzing efficiencies, all that. To just make it like very simple, the most a team has scored against UVA this year is fifty five points. The second most they've scored is forty six. Right. Like that's crazy. Like that doesn't happen. No, that so never happens. It's, it, this defense is incredible, and you know we're kind of back to where we were a couple years ago, where the offense isn't great, and we knew that, and it'll come along, but defense is going to carry this team.
1: We're ranked sixty six in offense and first in defense, and on Kin Palm, if you combine the two. We're still number four overall. That's how good our defense is. So, it's been really impressive so far. And you know, even with our, you know, low like, with our limited guard play so far, you know, Chase Coleman has done a really good job of stepping in spot minutes. Uh, Wold Tensai has done a really good job of adjusting to the back line. Even, even Cody with his limited games, only three games so far, but he's done a good job of, of using his length to his advantage and really, you know, disrupting passes and getting in faces of shooters Kihei is a dog like he always is and Braxton and Mamadi and Jay are just blocking at anything they can so it's been really exciting to see and I'm I'm just looking forward to the season it's gonna be really fun
0: yeah so is there anything before we completely close on basketball moving on to football what are you looking for over the next couple of games obviously you have Maine before the two big challenges of Purdue and North Carolina what do you want to see them kind of hone in on and maybe work to improve
1: uh i'm looking well i already said this but cody needs some tamiflu like immediately (laughs) Uh, he needs to get better because our guard play needs to improve in in order for us to have any chance against purdue or north carolina uh, both of which have historically have good guards uh i also want justin mccoy and kafaro to get involved a little bit more mccoy played some spot minutes today and against umass but didn't really contribute anything and I'm looking for him to get more comfortable with the game and just kind of get the feel for it a little bit more. I think he's, and you know, both of them are big guys, especially Kafaro. Like he's good. He, he's like a, he's like Jack Salt. Really was his freshman year. Didn't didn't play a lot. Really physical. Uh, fa- fouled one second after he got in, <laughs> which was just classic classic Jack. But you know, big guys take longer to adjust to the college game, and that's how it is. And even though Justin Justin McCoy is six eight. 221 still freshman still growing probably into his body needs to you know learn how his body moves a little bit more and i'm looking to see if they can get involved at all just so that we can get our our star players a break and i'm looking to see casey improve or not improve but continue uh his confidence train i hope this is a springboard game that reminds him that he is a good offensive player and when he came in he was known as an offensive player we knew he was good at defense but his offense was really what people were saying was gonna get in minutes this year because, you know, we didn't have that much guard depth. Mm-hmm. And really, so far this year, it's been his defense that's kept him on the court because his offense is he would have been unplayable really otherwise. Yep. If his defense wasn't good. So I'm looking for Casey to continue this streak of slashing to the basket. Uh that dunk was great, big confidence booster. Awesome. I really want him to continue to shoot threes and make them. I think I think he can take less, but he needs to pick his threes like he's taking a couple that are just you know off the dribble spot up pull up threes. He doesn't need to do that if he's open, passing the ball, he can make one right, but he needs to make have better decision making over the next two weeks as we have some really big opponents coming up,
0: okay, so we're almost wrapped up on basketball. one more thing you brought it up. Uh, <laughs> Kafaro and Justin McCoy. Yeah. We've seen bits and pieces from them here and there. Mm-hmm. What roles do you think they have moving forward over the next few weeks?
1: Very limited. Um especially Kafaro. Kafaro really doesn't seem, you know, to understand the offense or the defense just quite yet. He's getting there. He's athletically gifted. Uh you saw in the World Tournament, he's he's really good, but it's just, you know, fit where is he? Where does he fit in this year? And I think it's good that he's got Mamadi and Jay in front of him on the depth chart because, honestly, he's not ready for it yet. He he looks like a fouling machine, but I'm excited to see what he can do, you know, in spot minutes and also, you know, looking ahead to next year as he grows a little bit bigger, uh, understands how to move in the offense and the defense a little bit more. And for Justin McCoy, he will continue to play this year. In very limited minutes, probably at the three or the four for Braxton, but I'm looking for him to just continue to look for a shot, play solid defense. He he made a dive in the UMass game. I really liked it. I caught up and clapped for that because he you just showed hustle. Like you can tell he he's a he he has the IQ for it and he's got the hustle. But once again, needs to figure out his body and needs to figure out where his fit is in the offense. So I just want to see him you know get more experience with that.
0: Yeah, with McCoy, I'll say. I was kind of coming into the season, you, we knew he wasn't going to be kind of the star of the freshman class, that was going to be Casey Marcel. but coming in the season, I thought maybe he was going to play a bit more of the three, you know, be a little bit more guard as opposed to forward. I think we're kind of seeing he's more of a natural forward. He looks a little bit like Isaiah Wilkins out he's, there.
1: He's more of a Gill type than an
0: Isaiah type, I think. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. Because Isaiah,
1: uh, Isaiah's freshman year was small. Yeah. Like he was like Cody size.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we'll figure out how it goes. Yeah. I think, I think, regardless, we're seeing he's more of a front court leaning player mm-hmm. than one in the back court. And, and then uh, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead.
1: No, sorry. Continue.
0: Well, then, then I guess with just Cafaro, I'll say that it's kind of weird. It's, you hear people talk about in football, it is what it almost reminds me of when you have like, a quarterback who's a mobile quarterback but then your backup quarterback's a pocket passer mm-hmm. it's like well it doesn't make a ton of sense because then you have to change the offense if one comes out and the other comes in mm-hmm. that's almost kind of the comparison i feel like it is this year mm-hmm. with kafaro being more of a true trad- uh, traditional big kind yeah. of in the mold that jack salt was although mm-hmm. i think kafaro's offensive ceiling is higher i think
1: way more offensively gifted than jack
0: but regardless you know our fours and our fives that we're typically playing you know, Jay Huff and Mamadi Diakite. They're more of kind of the twenty first century modern stretch mm-hmm. uh stretch the floor, space the floor, type bigs. Well Kafaro's more of the opposite. So I think the as we continue to kinda tailor the offense to Jay Huff and Mamadi Diakite as that gets more refined and better, I think that You think Kafaro's e- could be pushed out. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that's gonna limit what we're able to do with him. At least at least this, at least this year.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I was gonna say for McCoy, I think that it, it's also good I said for Kafaro, it's good that he's got a lot of people in front of him because I think McCoy's going to need another year or so of learning the defense and building his body up as well as just figuring out what his role is going to be because I think that there is a role for him in the future but luckily he's got Braxton and, and Momedy in front of him at the four spot so th- there's no need to rush it right away yeah which is what I was going to
0: say yeah so, all right,
1: I think that's it for basketball.
0: Yeah, so hopefully we beat Maine, and then two big matchups coming up: Purdue and UNC. But before the Purdue and UNC matchup, at least we have Virginia Tech in football, and this is obviously what we've been waiting for. It's hate week. This, this, it is hate week. It's hate week. You know, week. we hate Virginia Tech. It's Turkey Week. Yeah, hate
1: week, all the same.
0: Thank. I swear to God, I'm so glad Adventures of Cavman is gone, actually, because <laughs> if I have to watch the same video of Cavman baking the hokey bird and us losing again, it's just the most pathetic thing. I think like, they
1: stopped, they stopped doing that because it was too violent.
0: Oh, it's yeah, okay, great. They
1: haven't done that in a while, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. They always used to be friends at yeah, the end, yeah, well, which, which was disgusting yeah, to me. Yeah,
0: well, we don't have any friends that are tech fans, no. so. <laughs> Not this week. Yeah, friends don't let friends go to Virginia Tech. Not
1: this week. Yeah, we, you ignore them, block them. Whatever it takes, just don't let them do I wish they still made life. those
0: T-shirts because I would totally buy friends one. Friends
1: don't of those. let friends go to Virginia Tech. They the don't make them anymore.
0: I haven't seen them in years. I remember those as kids. The friends don't let friends go to UNC. Don't let.
1: Them do I've Virginia seen tech. you know that's true. I have seen more the UNC ones than the Tech ones. I think it's probably because there's so many there's so much intermixing with UVA and Tech friends, and they people don't feel comfortable really showing who they re- how they really feel <laughs> towards them.
0: Well, our friends don't go to Virginia Tech. so <laughs> No, <laughs> not this week. Yeah, not this week. So, yeah, obviously a huge game. Virginia Tech, they look really good. They've mm-hmm. won six of their past seven games, the one loss being to Notre Dame. When they didn't have Hendon Hooker, they played Quincy Patterson and really showed the limitations that Quincy Patterson has right now. Uh, you know, they've shut out their last two opponents, Georgia Tech and Pittsburgh. Um, you know, when the opening line came out, I think it was a pick em. I think since it's kind of moved more towards Virginia Tech's side, you know, there's... I just wish we could play this game in September or October. It'd be so much nicer. I know. But, all right, so what do you think of Virginia Tech? You know, emotions aside right now, Yeah. how do you evaluate this game?
1: It's just like... Like, this game is everything that Bronco's been building up to over his four years here, right? We've done we've done all the things. We've made it to a bowl game. We made it to multiple go- bowl games. And we've won a bowl game. And those are things that we hadn't done in years since Bronco got here. But we've done those now. We're going to make a bowl game this year, which is great. But the one thing we haven't done, kind of the two things that Bronco are left on that checklist that I like instead of like you know winning a New Year's Six Bowl and going to the playoffs and stuff like that is beating Tech and winning the Coastal. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of that that lineage that goes along with it. And I was saying all year that I would much rather beat Tech than win the Coastal this year because that's how it goes, you know, you got this checklist and you got to make sure you do one after the other. And I'm just kind of an anal about that kind of stuff anyway, so I would much rather beat Tech than win the Coastal, but this year we don't really have a choice because <laughs> because whoever wins this game is winning the Coastal and I think that just makes the stakes so much higher for the fans and also for the players. It's just a lot on the line for everyone. And even the tech fans too. Like I don't I don't feel sorry for them at all, but but they if they if tech doesn't win this game, then they lose the streak, they don't go to the Coastal and they're probably going to a not great bowl game. Yeah, as well. So You know, there's a lot on the line for everyone here. Winner of this game is probably going to the Orange Bowl as well, which would be crazy unless somehow Clemson loses and they go to the Orange Bowl and then we go to somewhere else. But there's just a lot on the line for everyone. And it's going to be really interesting to see if UVA can come out confident this year. Because last year they did not look confident for three quarters. The third quarter they looked great. Other, Other three... It was not, not confident. They looked
0: real confident for about a quarter and a half. Right. And then after the Charles Snowden interception, we we're like, oh, let, let's go back. Um, Yeah. I mean, this is unquestionably the biggest game of Bronco Mindenhall's tenure at UVA. You think On- it's bigger than South Carolina? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And I think this is the biggest UVA game since 2011, when it was the same thing. Yep. UVA, Virginia Tech, Coastal And we winner, got blown out. 38 nothing. Yeah. So this is the biggest UVA game in almost a decade. Huge. And you can make the case, this might be Justin Fuente's biggest game in his tenure too, because this is a Tech team that has lost so much momentum seemingly over the past year and a half. And then over the past two months, they've gained it back. But do you really want to cement Virginia Tech as, hey, like, don't worry, I'm Justin Fuente. I was the right hire, et cetera, et cetera. Now, no one's really saying he's not at this point the way he's turned the season around, but... You really want to put a stamp, you really want to continue to build upon Frank Beamer's legacy, you beat UVA. Yeah. You know, Frank Beamer didn't lose to UVA.
1: You go to bowl games, you beat UVA. Yeah. That's how it goes. So
0: I mean, this is just an absolutely huge matchup. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're both teams are eight and three. Both teams are coming on win streaks. And one important thing you said is how does Virginia play with momentum? And Virginia has to be confident. They gotta mm-hmm. come out and they gotta be like, hey, we're not scared of Virginia Tech. And that's what they were last year. And one interesting stat I read in the postgame notes after Liberty Virginia has scored on their opening drive in the past four games. Mm-hmm. You know, even against Louisville and the loss, they scored on their opening drive. Mm-hmm. Virginia, have they scored on their opening drive against Virginia Tech that I can remember? I mean, heck, some years we don't even score against Virginia it feel, Tech. It
1: feels like never. So, it feels like <laughs> never.
0: And this is a Tech defense. Bud Foster's going away party, and they've shut out their past two opponents. Like, this. You know, obviously, I mean,
1: I will say it was against Georgia Tech, who is garbage, and also Pitt, whose quarterback is Kenny Pickett. So I'm not going to say that they're great offenses by any stretch. Now, we did give up, what, 30-something points to Georgia Tech? 28. 28, yeah. So our, you know, our defense is clearly not as good as Tech's defense, although our, I think our offense is better than Tech's offense is. So it's going to be a shootout, which is something that – Not a lot of Tech UVA games are. I feel like they're more defensive struggles, which is really weird.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know. I could actually see this one being somewhat low scoring because- Really? I think Virginia, the big thing with Hendon Hooker coming in on offense is that he's opened up the run game for Mm -hmm. them. You know, his ability to be mobile has just enabled more options offensively. It's made the defense account for him. It's opened up running lanes for the running back. You Mm -hmm. know, obviously him coming in has changed the season for Virginia Tech after that disastrous Duke loss. Yeah. So, at the same time, the strength of Virginia Tech, the way they're going to beat us and score a lot of points is through the passing game. You know, our secondary is obviously dinged up. We don't know if we'll have Chris Moore. Bronco Mindenhall did not make that confirmation. I think, personally, Devontae Cross is way better at safety. I'd rather him just stay at safety. But Devontae Cross might be at corner, depending on, you know, how the Chris Moore situation plays out. Obviously, tons of injuries in the UVA secondary. Virginia Tech has a great receiving core. Mm -hmm. Hazleton, Trey Turner, Dalton Keene. You know, they've got other guys too. And it's not like one guy has been dominating week after week. Everyone's been getting 60 yards and a touchdown, 80 yards and a touchdown, 70 yards and a touchdown. You know, it's been super consistent. So I look at this and I think, you know, if Virginia can shut down the run game, then, which I think is possible. Mm -hmm. I think it's possible that Virginia can shut down the run game. Hopefully Jordan Mack is good to go. I haven't read anything to say he's not. Um, Then maybe it can become a bit of a struggle. Maybe Virginia can get enough pressure on Hooker, that it throws them off a little bit. And maybe UVA, they're not going to score a lot of points. They've scored in the 30s or above the past couple games. But maybe they can score enough points to make it interesting. I could see it going both ways. I don't think it's going to be this 10-0 game that we saw two years ago in Charlottesville. Was awful. But I don't know if it'll necessarily be the 34-31 game we saw last year in Blacksburg. I, think, I don't know.
1: I think it's going to be closer to the last year than, than two years ago. And that's just because our defense is, you know, because of injuries and... You know, mostly injuries, but our secondaries, you know, depleted very much so. And our, but our, our you know, our front seven is pretty good, but our secondary is really a weakness at this point. And, you know, Tech's defense is pretty good I mean, our offense has really soared over the past three or four weeks. So it'll be interesting to see how our offense comes out against this Tech defense that has really been so, so solid over the past month or so. And our offense, who has really—I mean, uh, Anai has really opened up the playbook after after that disastrous Miami game, and it's really been night and day from the first half of the season to the second half, where really it seemed like we didn't have anything new, and now it seems like we see something new kind of every week. Yeah, which is really interesting.
0: Well, that's one thing that I'm actually really looking for in this game is Robert and I is kind of he can be predictable at times yeah and in the sense that he can be predictable when you see one play that's really unique you know that in a game or two later they're going to show that exact same look and they're going to run something different off of it Mm -hmm. and we saw a couple plays like that against Liberty this week you know we saw the reversed Tavares Kelly Mm -hmm. we saw uh, a couple interesting passing routes that had fakes in them some were even built off you know the Florida State fake or the handoff to Joe Reed that has become you know there's a playoff of that almost every game yeah. at this point i'm curious to see how creative they get offensively and even on special teams you know obviously they ran the fake field goal against liberty
1: which was great
0: it was great and it worked and and Hall sat in and i totally agree some people were like shouldn't we have saved that for tech i mean I, that was actually a pretty critical point in that liberty ball game mm-hmm. you get that you fake the field goal you keep the momentum going you score a touchdown so but for me that's one thing i'm watching is what does robert and i try to do and we you know, the offense scored a lot of points, most since 2004 last week against Liberty. But there were still some times where you're like, why are we running that play? Like, why are we doing a Bryce Perkins design run here that only got two yards? You know, yeah. you still saw some things that were a little questionable. I'm just really curious to see, you know, can we keep that offensive momentum going early? And how creative are they going to get? You, you know, I could definitely see there's being instances where we see play setting up that we've seen many times before, but there's a fake off of it or something different. Yeah. I'm curious to see how it develops.
1: Yeah, it's just, you know, there's so many times as a UVA fan where you can, and you know, the last, last year's Tech game is a great example where we had a, a lead and really should have won that game and then we took our foot off the gas because, like, we felt it was over. And I feel like Anai has this really nasty habit of taking his foot off the gas and mm-hmm. just being content with, you know, what he's got. He doesn't take doesn't take a lot of risks at all. Uh if he if he can run Bryce Perkins, he's gonna run Bryce Perkins for three yards and be happy with it. But in this game, we really can't afford to do that. No, oh, absolutely and, right. and we need we need the running backs to have a good game. We need uh, do you know if Wayne Talapapo is going to be back?
0: I was actually going to bring that up. No, we don't. And again, Broncos Men in Hall's press conference on Monday, which is tomorrow for yeah. us, might provide clarity on that. Yeah. I know he was wearing a knee brace on Saturday, and he okay. looked like he was hobbling a little bit.
1: In any case, we we need the offensive line to step up and have a good game. We need we need uh, the running backs to have a good game. We need our wide receivers to make some good. And our wide receiver been so solid all year, but you know, last season, a couple drops and that were really, costly, yeah, Tavaris <laughs> Kelly, uh, really costly drops. So we need our wide receivers to be on we need We really just need everyone to be doing their job at, at when they need to do their job. And that was the frustrating thing last year is that we didn't do our job, we didn't finish, and we missed a lot of opportunities.
0: Yeah, and do your job goes for the coaches too, just like you said. And that's one thing that obviously, like, even last year was the story of the game. Something that you worry about so much is, Do you build up this game too much, you know, like Bronco Mendenhall, like has said, it is disproportionately more important and it is, but how do you approach it? And we've seen, you know, again, they've scored on the past four opening drives in the past four games, you know, is that still going to happen, you know? Don't get in your own head, because that's what happened last, last year. Last year, they got, in their, they own got head, in their own head, and
1: I feel like the coaching staff did not do a good job of preparing the players for what they were going to face, and they had built up this game all year. Beat Tech was everywhere in the locker room. We saw that, and they didn't beat Tech, and it was a huge letdown, and I'm curious to see how the coaching staff is approaching it this year. Are they taking the same approach and just hoping that the players are you know, mentally tougher this year, or are they changing their ways to actually... You know, make the players mentally tougher.
0: Yeah. And, you know, a new we call it new, but you know, Bryce Perkins has obviously been here for two years now. Right. Bryce Perkins has seen the Virginia Tech rivalry up close and personal. You know, we've seen the Dax Hollifields get in his face. You know, what those guys do on that side of the I ball. <laughs> and uh he's a good player though. But I uh I don't think so. <laughs> well <laughs> anyway, so you know Bryce Perkins is all of a sudden you know number three UVA quarterback in career wins I think he got 16 wins which ties Mm -hmm. him with I think Schaub and uh no Schaub's number two Schaub's number two he tied with Hagens, I think this past week anyway Bryce Perkins has seen the rivalry before and it's not a shocker like this offense runs through Bryce Perkins we didn't know Wayne Talapapa was going to be out this past week we don't know if he'll play this week uh last week uh Lamont Atkins got the start at running back, but, you know, him, Mike Collins, and P.K. are all played. You know, if Wayne Talapapa isn't ready to go, I don't I don't know who out of those three will assume the lead, and a lot of it depends on what offense they want to run. You know, Lamon Atkins is normally better in passing situations than the other guys. I don't know. I don't know. There's so much that's kind of questionable on the backfield, but the one thing that isn't questionable, Bryce Perkins. And mm-hmm. it's going to have to be the game of his life. He's been there, done that, but... At least he's seen this Virginia Tech rivalry because I think it does matter. And God, I hope, I hope we can get close to filling up the stadium. I don't know what it's going to be like. It's gonna, I really want there to be a home field how,
1: advantage. How many? What percentage do you think is going to be? Who's to Hokies?
0: I would say maybe sixty five thirty five UVA to Tech. I
1: think it's. No, I don't think it's going to be. I think it's going to be about forty five fifty five UVA to Tech.
0: You think Tech fans will outnumber UVA fans? No, no, no,
1: no. UVA to Tech. So 55% UVA, 45% Tech.
0: It kills me that this game is at noon, too. Mm -hmm. It kills me that this game is at noon. Because I think
1: that... It gives the advantage to Tech.
0: I think... You can look at it both ways. I think, actually, it might help UVA in the sense that we don't overthink things all day leading up Mm -hmm. to the game. But at the same time, it's like, man, I bet the noon kickoff kills attendance by... At least 5,000. I know me personally, I'm not going to get up there until like right at kickoff. Like I'm not going to be able to tailgate or anything before like, the game. Like there's
1: no way, you know, there, like we had 10,000 students for the Florida State game. No way we're going to have that many. Yeah. Nowhere close. Noon after Thanksgiving. Yeah, nowhere close. Yeah, it's to one that
0: thing many. to be noon on a Saturday, but noon on a Friday after Thanksgiving, it's hard. It's, it's really hard. difficult
1: to get students back, especially when they, you know, many of them, is the first time going home all, all semester. Yeah. So they're... <laughs> It really difficult, especially. <laughs> I can just imagine my mom if I didn't live in Charlottesville saying, "No way, you're leaving." Yeah. <laughs> uh, thir- Thursday night to get back to Charlottesville to watch that game. Yeah. And yeah, I-, I just think it's really hard for a lot of people to get there.
0: Yeah, and it's n- no one's fault. It's mm-hmm. just the reality that noon kickoff the day after Thanksgiving is going to hurt. It's a all ten. about the it's, money. It's going to hurt. It's all about ten. that money, that yeah. ABC money. Of course, of course, but. I don't know. I'm curious to see how that plays because I don't know. I know I will be getting there right at kickoff, maybe a couple minutes late. Like mm-hmm. I don't. I'm sure it'll be a somewhat late arriving crowd. Hopefully it's mm-hmm. not too late arriving. If it is, I'm will most likely be a participant in that. Yeah. But you know, I'm curious to see how that plays out too because I really don't know. Like everyone just kind of assumed it'd be kind of a later in the day primetime game. You know, two years ago it was at night in Charlottesville. Last year it was at 3:30 in Blacksburg. Yeah. Noon kickoff's different. And you know what Broncos said is. Bronco tries to put a good spin on it. He's like, "Yeah, I feel like night games really fit the culture of UVA better. Like, mm-hmm. it's just easier to get to night games. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not that we don't like football at noon. It's just yeah. easier to get there." at night
1: I, I'm, I'm, ex- I'm interested to see what Bronco says about the crowd from the Liberty game because announced that thirty-seven thousand, which I, is incredibly generous. I bet there was twenty thousand people there.
0: Uh, I would probably agree. Yeah, the student section consisted of like the, the first band. two rows. The band yeah. was there,
1: and that was about <laughs> it. I think yeah I mean yeah once again it's just tough to get people yeah you know if they're raining 45 degrees Saturday before Thanksgiving at noon at noon really hard to get people out there
0: so obviously that's another factor too and like you know we could go on and on forever and mm-hmm. I, I don't know I really really want this to be a close game and on paper if you take out the momentum if you just look at the numbers you'd be like hey yeah like this should be a great close game and I think it should be said that Bryce Perkins' only loss in Scott Stadium was the night rainy game against Pittsburgh. You know, mm-hmm. other than that, he's eleven and one at Scott Stadium. He plays really well. We're six and zero this year at Scott Stadium. Yeah, there's been a couple close games, but we've won them. We're six and zero at Scott Stadium. A win's a win. So I don't know. There's so many different factors playing at it. Obviously, the huge one, both for players and the fans, is just the mental aspect. The streak. On top of Virginia Tech's a very good football team and way, way better than what we thought we would, they would be a couple right. of weeks ago. Right. So I don't know. I don't know. It's, I wish I had an answer, but it's it's going to be great.
1: It's that time. We need a prediction.
0: I'm not predicting. (laughs) Last year, last year. So obviously last year. We both predicted a win last year. We both predicted a win. And, you know, last year was really the first year at the time in that 14 year win streak where for, that Virginia football team was clearly better than that Virginia Tech football right. team. Like, don't forget, Virginia Tech was four and six last year. Yeah, you know, if we had beat Virginia Tech, they weren't going to play a twelfth game no. because the ECU game was uh, canceled earlier in the year for the hurricane. Right. If Virginia Tech had lost that game, they would have finished that season four and seven. Yeah, and instead they beat us. They won the next week and they went to a bowl game that they ultimately they lost. lost. But you know. That was not a good Tech team last year. And that's what Justin Fuente said last year. If they're going to beat us, it better be that year. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. it wasn't. And this is a much, much better Virginia Tech team.
1: And the stakes are so much higher this year because the Coastal's on the line. And it just feels like we have everything to... It doesn't feel like we have everything to gain. It feels like we have everything to lose instead. That's that's kind of how I'm feeling right now. It just... there's been It's been so long... And there's been so much, you know, there's so much placed on this game. We have all the advantages, but it's not going to matter. Yeah. And and I feel like we have everything to lose instead of everything to win. I feel like Tech's playing with house money at this point.
0: Well, they're playing with a ton of confidence right yeah. now, and we kind of are too. But there's more there's more cracks in our armor. You mm-hmm. know, you see the weak secondary. You see, you the know, offensive line, you see the offensive line, which for some reason we started rotating tackles again. Uh, you know, maybe it, I don't know. It didn't
1: it didn't not work.
0: Sure. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, for some reason, maybe it's because Swoboda is back to being fully healthy. I don't understand why. After several weeks. So
1: much better that we decided to do when we were not rotating.
0: Yeah. So obviously that happened and Joe Bissinger is rotating in at guard too, both at left guard for uh, Nelson and at right guard for Glazer. So again, we're rotating guys again. You know, you just see there's cracks in our armor and with Virginia Tech, at least the past two games, you haven't seen that. They've looked so good defensively. They've moved the ball on offense. They've been efficient. Hendon Hooker has given them new life. They have great receiving core. You know, I don't know. I don't know. But it really, it really, we should both be playing the same way as just how you deal with the mental edge because what's at stake is the same for both teams. Mm-hmm. I just hope, 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 Broncomen and Hall. You know, it's the same. Ship.
1: It's the same, and it's just really different at the same time. Yeah, it, they're like Tech has the history of go, winning the coastal and bowl games and beating us, and we we don't. And I think that the mentality between these teams is so different. Like in football, we're the little brother, and they're the big brother, and mm-hmm. It's just it's just like hopeless. It, it seems hopeless sometimes. Yeah. And I'm not going to predict anything until it happens.
0: So no prediction this no week prediction, for you either. No prediction All right. for me. No, no official guys and ties predictions. I'm going
1: back to my superstitious ways of not predicting anything.
0: <laughs> Last year I was like, hey, I'm just a fan. What I say it doesn't matter. It well, does matter. Well, maybe it matters. It does matter. So I promise yeah, no you, predictions. no Robin predictions. Rob, it matters a lot.
1: <laughs> Is there anything else we want to say? about this i think we've said everything we need to i think we've complained and 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 just said how we feel about the tech game a lot i don't know if we need to say anything else yeah
0: i don't think you can have a logical conversation with a uva fan about the virginia tech no Street. it
1: just it, there's no yeah it's all emotion at this point and, and i
0: just hope our team somehow bucks the trend
1: yeah me too um with that do we want to give some yells rob
0: yeah sure let's give some yells uh You know, it's kind of kind of a premature yell, but yeah, the women's soccer team did lose uh, this past week, but they had a great season. The women's soccer team, at some point, they're going to win a national championship. Mm -hmm. It's it's been looking like that for like at least since I was in college, so you know, several several years at this point. So, and then the men's soccer team, they advanced uh, to the second round in the NCAA tournament. So, um, some good good football action happening. (laughs) So. You know, hopefully it's a shame women's soccer lost, um, but hopefully men's soccer. Men's are they number one right now? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Yeah, they're number yeah. one. So hopefully they can h- bring home a natty and just keep the year of the championship alive. Yeah.
1: Yeah, man. I, uh, I'm i going to give a shout out to Herm Edwards for two phone yes. calls during yes. the Arizona <laughs> State game today. And uh, really just kind of ruined the game. It was really funny <laughs> for those who didn't watch uh, Herm Edwards. And his Arizona State football team beat the number six Oregon Ducks, knocked him out of playoff contention last night. And he called into the, to the, during the game on ESPN and you couldn't hear Herm Edwards, but you could hear our announcers (laughs) saying, asking questions, saying, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, I thought that was funny, but then they called him back and he didn't say anything of value other than how good his football team was last night. And I really just didn't appreciate that. I wanted to hear the game. I thought it was very distracting. Um, That's all I have to say about that.
0: Yeah, it turned into, like, how is Herm Edwards still on the phone? (laughs) Is this an ASU just promo? Like, can we just get this guy off the phone?
1: It was like eight eight minutes of Herm Edwards (laughs) just, like, over the course over you know, be a, and a commercial break it was like herm <laughs> edwards commercial break Herm, herm herm's edwards. back but he's actually talking this time so uh, i thought that was funny shout out to herm sticking with it and with that i think that's all for us today so thank you so much for listening this is guys and ties podcast we hope everyone has a nice and safe turkey week and also a safe hate week as well you know whoever you hate do it safely and uh if you like what you hear Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Give us a follow on Instagram and Snapchat as well on Guys and Ties Pod. Rob's pumping out content over there. Lots of it. Lots of content. Lots of it. It's great. Make sure to follow us on iTunes and Spotify if you like what you hear. And check out Armchair Media. They've got a lot of great podcasts about all your favorite sports teams, professional and college. And we will see you guys next week. Go who's Beat tap. beat tap.